and welcome. We're uh, a minute or two out from when we're going to start, giving opportunity for people to connect and uh, to, uh, to get into uh, our very first Bundaberg Uniting Church live stream from wherever you are. And let me begin by saying to you, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. I knew you said it. And uh, I know we've got visitors from all over, from Central Burnett, from Tassie, and, uh, and especially from Bundaberg. And uh, if you can hear us, and if you're enjoying uh, the message, hit the wow button, hit the like button, make some uh, comments. If you want to ask a question, then do so, and we'll endeavor to get to those questions as soon as we can um, after the service. Uh, if you can't hear us, well, then it doesn't matter what I'm saying. You can't do anything with it. So anyway, but um, being our very first light live stream, we've had to put it together in record time. And uh, we'll get better with this as we go along. We were only told on Wednesday, late Wednesday, that our services are temporarily suspended. So bear with us for this one. I'm, uh, we're learning as we go along. And as I say, we'll get better as we go. I just want to say a very special welcome to some friends from South Africa who have logged in specially. It's half past one in the morning over there and it's great to have you with us. I admire your commitment. I don't think that I'd get up at half past one in the morning to listen to me, but welcome everybody to a different way of doing church. Let me say that as you listen this morning in homes all over Bundaberg, even in other parts of the world, our church is gathered. The body of Christ is gathered. And instead of thinking of ourselves as practicing social distancing, a friend on Facebook said, we're actually practicing spatial connections. And that is indeed so. We connected together as the church to worship and to hear God's word. And I pray that you'll be blessed as we navigate this difficult chapter in all of our lives. For those who uh, are joining for the first time today, welcome to you. And a special, um, just to put you in the picture, we've been following a Lent series called uh, Why Jesus? Why do we follow this man, Jesus? Why is Christ so important to us that people would be faithful to him even to the point of death? But we're going to pause with that Lent series for today because in the last week, the shape of our world has changed. The way we live life has drastically and forcibly been altered from quarantines to uh, social media, to, uh, to social distancing, sorry, to the canceling of flights. Uh, life has changed. And even though we've known about the virus and seen its effects on the rest of the world, it's been the last two weeks that this has really begun to impact Australian life in a very big way. <clears throat> and so I think it's necessary to pause the series and to take some time to reflect and to hear God's voice in these moments, to find out where He is, to listen to what God is saying, to connect with Him, to discover our role as the Christian church in these difficult times that we are facing. So would you join with me as we pray? Wherever you are, simply bow your heads and uh, let us commit this time to God. 
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for today. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to hear your word. We thank you for the technology that makes this possible, for the connectedness that exists, even if we are not physically together. We remain the body of Christ, and we praise you for that. We ask that you would be with us in our worship, that you would be glorified, that even as we sit in our different homes around this country or around the world, may your spirit move amongst us. May your love flow in our hearts. May your peace calm our fears. And as millions of people meet you in their homes and services like this streamed all over the world, may you be glorified. We pray these things as together we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Next week, we hope to have uh, a little bit of a better production, and we'll have the Lord's Prayer up on the screen. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to see that and the words will be there, so it makes it a little easier to pray it together. And so our readings this morning, as we look at what God is saying to us in these moments, the readings come from Psalm 46 and from Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 29. Listen to how they speak into the situation that we face. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then reading from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. Acts 11, verses 19 to 26. The church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, 
went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, this, now news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. You have brought us to listen to this message wherever we are. And we pray, Lord, that your Spirit would speak to us, that it may be your words that are spoken, that it may be your voice that we hear. We are your servants, and we long to hear from you. So speak, Lord, we pray. We, your children, are listening. Amen. I have put out a few letters regarding the coronavirus information letters. We have put out uh, our responses to what's been going on. You have probably got it on email, and if not, there are copies on our Facebook page as well as on the website. And the letters sought to provide some clarity as to what we're doing as a church, our communications, our plans, and so on. But there was also some encouragement in the uncertainty of the times that we face. I might have got the balance in those letters wrong because I saw someone this week, I saw them from a socially accepted distance of one and a half meters, and he said to me, you know, when I got your last letter, I'm not sure what to call you anymore. I'm torn between Winston Bosch or Stuart Churchill. And he went on to joke about how my letter sounded very much like, we'll fight them on the beaches, we'll fight them on the landing grounds, we'll never surrender. And I, and I, I laughed when he told me that. I laughed so hard I had to cover my mouth with my elbow because that comment was hilarious. Maybe it was a situation joke that you had to be there to hear. It's very hard to tell when you're talking to a camera whether or not you're finding that funny. But it was actually pretty funny. Yet, as I thought about it later on, as I thought about his comment later, I realized that I hadn't got the balance wrong. Because where we are in this moment feels like the war of our time, where we battle an enemy that we have no weapon for, that is coming and coming fast in a way like none of us have seen in our lives. And we've seen a collective fear and a panic that has put us in a place that we will take years to recover from. The nations are in uproar. The kingdoms, political and economic, are falling. And we are facing adversity and hardships 
the like of which we have not known. And in the midst of it, we wonder, where is God? Where is God in all of this chaos? It's interesting to me that all through Scripture, God's people face adversity and challenges of one kind or another. Whether it be the slavery in Egypt or the exile into Babylon or the persecution by the Romans or the torturing of the early Christians by Nero, faithfulness to God is not some magical guarantee of a life free of challenge, of a life free of problems or difficulties. No one has a life without those things, for that's what living life is actually all about. Navigating the twists and turns of the journey as we go through mountaintops of wonderful moments and in valleys of really challenging ones. Life is to be lived. And if Scripture is to be believed, God is to be encountered most powerfully in the midst of those challenges. We hear him say in Deuteronomy, never will I leave you nor forsake you. We hear him say in Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We hear him say in Isaiah, do not be afraid. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One, your Savior. Or indeed, in our psalm today, I am your refuge and your strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Be still and know that I am God. As a nation and as a world, we are facing a time like no other. As a Christian church, we've been stripped of our buildings and our meetings, and while we're not persecuted as such, we have most definitely been scattered. Like the Christians in Acts, we're scattered. What is God saying to us in all of this? What is God saying to us in the depth of the valley? What says the voice of God? In this moment, I believe that God says four things to us. Two are about Him, and two are about us. The first thing God says is, I am present. I am present. In this moment, I am with you. In the midst of the crisis, in the midst of your uncertainty, I am here. Psalm 46 can really be divided into two sections. Uh, the first part is all about the ever-present God. Listen again. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with surging, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. And the earth melts. The earth does what he says, Eugene Peterson says. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In Acts we read how the believers were initially scattered by the persecution of the church. 
violently uh, seen in the stoning of Stephen when it began, how frightening for them, how scared they must have been. A whole group of people who were together, who were held together by their love for God, are sent scrambling into isolation for fear that their lives are in danger. Does that sound familiar to you? Ring any bells? But the Lord's hand was with them, says verse 21. God is present. The Lord's hand is with them. I had a professor who used to say to us, he used to say, no one gets up earlier than God. No one gets up earlier than God. In other words, there is never a place where God isn't. And when we go through the challenges that we face in life, for each and every one of them, God is there long before we realize, long before we even think to bring it to his attention in prayer. And that in itself is an amazing source of, of comfort. Just the very fact that we are not alone, that someone else knows, that someone else understands, that someone who is there that is strong enough for us to lean on, that is an awesome thing. An awesome thing. Quite early in my ministry, a young boy had to go for an emergency appendix operation. His mum had called and said that he was really scared and so was she. And could I please come to the hospital and pray with him? So I went to the hospital, and when I got there, he was in an area that uh, he was already being prepared for the operating theater. His mum was sitting beside him, trying to comfort him. He was scared. And I sat down with him, and I said a prayer. And I prayed for a child, as you would, that Jesus would hold his hand through the operation. I went back later on in the evening to see him lying in bed. The operation had gone well. There was a smile on his face and there was color back in his cheeks. He was bouncing back quickly as kids sometimes tend to do. And I said to him, so how did it go? And he said, well, I was really scared until Jesus came and took my hand. And I said, up again? I beg your pardon? And he said, with a bit of frustration and a frown on his face, speaking slowly as if uh, he thought I was some dumb adult who couldn't remember the events of just a few hours earlier, he said, remember you prayed for Jesus to come and take my hand. I wanted to ask him if he physically felt the hand of Jesus holding his but to be honest, I could see that he already thought I wasn't all that talented in the brain category. So I decided not to ask a question that I pretty much already knew the answer to. Of course he did. Of course he did. He's a child. being faith like a child. I prayed that Jesus would take his hand. Why wouldn't Jesus take his hand? Because he's always with us. He's always there. In the midst of this crisis, in the midst of the uncertainty and the fear, in the midst of the chaos and the change, in the midst of the economics and the insecurity, I am present, says God. I am here. I am weeping with you in your pain. I understand your fears. I am your refuge and your strength. 
The second thing God says about himself is, I am powerful. And here's the second part of that psalm. I told you it was divided into two parts. One about the presence of God, the second about the power of God. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is powerful. He's not only present with us, but he strengthens us. He energizes us. When we feel that we have nothing left, God boosts us. It is God who alerts us to the reserves of strength that he has in store for us to face whatever we have to face. He is all-powerful. It can be very easy for us to think of God's power only in terms of what God's power can do for us. So often when we face adversity, our minds are so centered on our own struggle that the only thing we can think about is how God's power could possibly sort out all of the circumstances in my favor. How God's power can work for me and make my life just completely better. But the power of God is not a power that simply soothes out all of life for us. It's not a power that does whatever we think is the best idea for us. If God's power were there simply for us to utilize, to live life in some sort of worry and problem and stress and hassle-free existence, what kind of relationship would that be? What kind of life would that be? No, God's power is one of ultimate victory. God's power is one of knowing that in this time, evil can do its worst, but it has already lost the battle because Christ is victorious. He is God whom the earth will bow down to, who will ultimately ensure that the bow is broken and the shield is burnt and that his name is exalted. God's power is there to strengthen us, to strengthen us for the journey to comfort us in the pain, to give wisdom as we seek direction, to guide as we look which direction to go, to bless as we live life in submission to Him. His power is there for us to know that we are loved as we face life in lonely and difficult circumstances. The power of God is not some kind of a magical click of a disappearance for all of our problems, but rather in the beauty of the God who says, walk with me. This is where my power lies. Walk with me. I know the way. I've been down this road before. I know where to go. And I will give you the strength to get there. When that little boy went into the theater, there wasn't a single moment that he expected Jesus to just magically sort out his appendix. But because he knew that Jesus had died and risen again and was so powerful, if that Jesus was with him, well, then he could face anything. In the midst of this uncertain and fearful time, God says to us, 
I am all-powerful. Hold my hand. Be still and know that I am God. And so those are the two things that God says to us about himself in these moments. I am present and I am powerful. But then he says two more things about us, about you and me. He says, you have potential. You have potential. Or perhaps in this moment, there is great potential. Potential for what, you may ask? Potential to draw close to God. To draw alongside of Him. I was watching the news the other night. They were interviewing an Australian woman who was living in Italy. And they were speaking to her about the difficulties of of, uh, of homeschooling her children in the extreme lockdown that they were under in the city that she lived. And the presenter said to her, he said, give us some advice. What is one thing we need to know? And she answered him, she said, if you don't believe in God, now is a good time to start. Now is the time, she said, to connect to a higher power. She waited a second and added, because you're going to need it. I wasn't sure if she was talking about the whole situation or if she was just making reference specifically to the trauma of having to homeschool your own children. I saw a meme this week where it said, if we have to homeschool our children any longer, the parents are going to find a vaccine long before the scientists do. Another one that said, when all of this is over, we really need to increase the salaries of our teachers. And I couldn't agree more. I'm married to a teacher. But coming back to this woman, this is a time full of potential for us to reconnect with God, for us to grow our faith, to be still and know that He is God. We may be scattered all over. We may have meeting places ripped out from under our feet. But we now have moments to slow down, to read, to reflect, to connect with God, to pray, to be reunited with the God who refuses to be squashed into the busyness of our usual day-to-day -day routines, where we've filled our lives with so much to an extent that if we, we go to church, if we have the time to do so, we might pray if we can fit it into our busy program. Be still and know that I am God. We are forced to slow down now. We have downtime. It's, it's full of potential. Just this morning, I didn't have to iron my, my smart pants because I can stand here in jeans. You would never know. We have more time in these moments. Be still and know that I am God. To spend time with God, we have time to connect with our family to talk about the grace and the love of God, to pray, real quality prayer, to read His Word. I do just want to emphasize that I in no way believe that God inflicts disaster or tragedy on us in order to get a good result. But I do believe that in the darkest of times, in the most difficult of moments, God who is all-powerful can turn something beautiful out of something terrible. 
And one of the things, one of the beautiful things that can come out of this terrible moment is that there is the potential for God to be moved from the periphery of our lives, from the outside where we shove Him when we're busy, right back into the center. You know, when the hand-washing instructions came out, I have to make a little confession. I have always washed my hands and washed them often, but probably not for 20 seconds each time and probably not making sure I got into all of the little crevices that you're supposed to have done. So when the instructions came out, there were lots of these little tricks to help you remember that it's 20 seconds you've got to be washing your hands for. So one of them was to, um, to sing happy birthday to yourself twice while you're washing your hands. Another one was to sing twinkle, twinkle, little star. One of the other tips and tricks was to say the Lord's Prayer. It takes about 20 seconds to go through the Lord's Prayer. And this, I thought, was a better idea than me standing in the bathroom singing nursery rhymes to myself. I only did it once or twice before I thought, you know, I'd actually rather say my own prayer. And I generally pray for more than 20 seconds, so I should be right. Do you know, friends, how much I have enjoyed praying while I've been washing my hands? It's been brilliant. Sometimes I get so caught up in the, in the prayer that the next thing you know, I've been washing my hands for five minutes. There's foam everywhere all over the bathroom. Debbie's knocking on the door saying, can you get out of there? There's other people that need to use the bathroom. Say your own prayers. Try it. It's incredible. But whatever you do, whatever you do, don't come out of this time with your greatest achievement being that you've binge-watched Netflix for a month. Don't let that be all you achieve this, this time of quarantine. God is saying to us, we have an opportunity. And that opportunity is filled with all of the potential of connecting with Him. Knowing the power and the presence of God, it, it depends on our ability to be still and know that God is God. Lastly, God says to us in these adverse and difficult times, be passionate. If you haven't realized yet, the four things that God says all start with a P. Presence, power, potential, and passion. Be passionate about being the church, even when we are scattered. The disciples, we read, are first called Christians in Antioch. Scattered by persecution, no buildings, no formal structures, they set about reflecting the love of Jesus to such an extent that people recognize them by their actions as followers of Christ. It's what they do that helps people see these people look like Jesus. We read that when Barnabas arrives, he was glad because he saw, and I love this phrase, he saw the evidence of the grace of God. So here's the thing. You are the church. We've always said that the church isn't a building. We've always said that the church is the people. But that's now true more than ever. 
Because for all intents and purposes, we no longer have a building. We no longer have a place to meet. Sure, the bricks and the cement are all here, but we can't go to church because we have been scattered. All over Bundaberg, all over your community, all over the world. You're it. You're the church. If people are going to see, if people are going to know the love of gra- and grace of God, if people are going to see evidence of the grace of God, they're going to see it from you. It won't be coming from this building. It'll be coming from your home. It'll be coming from your heart. Like never before, the church across the city has been awakened because it has been decentralized. It has been spread out. And I believe God is saying, my dear children, be passionate about being the church. In time when people are tempted to be selfish and hoard, be the church. Reach out and find out if your neighbor has enough toilet rolls. Or if you can, help an elderly person uh, by fetching their medicine or, or doing their shopping for them. Helping them stay inside so that there's less risk for them. Phone somebody who you know is on their own. Or somebody who you usually go to church with and, and want to check with and connect with. Passionately be the church. There are so many different ways to do that. Let the evidence of the grace of God shine through the darkness of this moment. Let the church bring the light to people who will be desperate to see light. You and I, in the middle of this darkness, we are the light. We are the church. Be passionate about being the church that people will say, there is somebody who follows Jesus. I can see it by their actions. I see it by their actions. Let me close with a story. Some years ago, a lady went to visit a small town near Dover in England. And she was sitting in a cafe enjoying afternoon tea when she became aware of an unbelievably pleasant fragrance that filled the air. And she asked the waiter, she said, what is that, what is that beautiful scent that's, that's wafting through this cafe? And the waiter said, oh, that's the, uh, there's a perfume factory down the road from where we are. And the woman having afternoon tea said, oh, well, that, the wind must have changed. I, I didn't even notice. Uh, must have changed direction because I couldn't smell that a moment ago. No, said the waiter. You're not smelling the factory. It's the workers who are returning home. And the fragrances of having been there the whole day have, have permeated their clothes throughout the day's work. And that for me is a perfect illustration of what the church is meant to be. As we are scattered from the place that we usually worship in, may we be so passionately the church that the fragrance of Jesus, the sweetness of his presence, so permeates us that in the midst of this difficult time, the beauty and the purity of of God's grace is evident 
everywhere. As far as coronavirus is concerned, I have no doubt that as Winston Churchill said, we'll be fighting them and we will never surrender. Of that I have no doubt and that's important. But I think that God has something more valuable to say to us this morning. I am present. I am powerful. You have potential. You must be the church with passion. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, as we seek desperately to hear your voice in these difficult moments, may we hear you speaking those four words to us. Your presence, your power, our potential, and our passion. May we be the church in this world. May we connect with you in moments of darkness when, when we are tempted to doubt. May we find your presence. And above all else, Lord, may we know that you are God over all of the earth. And even over this battle, you have already won. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, part of our worship is expressing our love for God and the gifts that we give Him. And there have been many people who have come into the office and have uh, given in their offerings and many who are on in online giving and donated directly into the church's account. And so as we worship today, let us give thanks for these gifts and offerings and, and also pray a prayer of intercession and particularly today for uh, um, the issues around the coronavirus so I'd ask you once again, simply bow your heads as we spend a few moments lifting our collective needs to God in prayer. <clears throat> Almighty God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you, not just by listening to your words or by singing songs, but we worship you also in what we give. And we give these gifts out of love, knowing, Lord God, that everything we have is yours. And they're a symbol that all that we have is to be used by you for your glory. So take the gifts that have been given through whichever method and use them to keep the work of this church bringing light into this community, we pray. Lord God, we pray for, <clears throat> excuse me, we pray for those who have been affected by the coronavirus. We think of all of those who are ill, we pray, Lord, for those who have already lost loved ones, for those who are critical and the, the families that, that are facing this time. And we pray, Lord, that they would know your presence, that they would know your peace, and that they would know your healing. Strengthen bodies to fight, we pray. Bless the doctors and the nurses and the, the medical staff. Bless the scientists who are working on vaccines. Grant them wisdom. Grant medical staff extra energy. We pray for our government, states and federal governments. And as they seek to lead us, 
We thank you for the directions given and we pray that you would give wisdom to them as they direct us further and that people would obey what's being said because it's been done for, for everyone's good. We pray for the health of those who we love and also for ourselves. That the measures we are doing would, would keep us from getting infected, would keep the most vulnerable from getting infected, and that that curve would be flattened out. We pray, Lord, for the other things that worry us, those issues we face, people who we love. We lift them all before you this morning, thanking you that you are a God who cares, and as we said, a God who already knows all of these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed the live stream. It'll be up on the website to continue seeing it. Um, if you want to share it with friends, you are more than welcome to do so. And uh, just as I close to say that if you would like to uh, still be part of the giving, uh, the church uh, will continue to run and needs to continue to run. So if you could make sure that, uh, that you are still able to, to worship God through your offerings, the church bank details are on the website and on, its, um, on those letters that I wrote. So please, you can switch over to internet banking or set up a debit order. That would be tremendously helpful. If, uh, if there's no other option, feel free to drop into the office. And we will every Sunday give thanks to God for those gifts that have been given in that way. Lastly, if you haven't connected with us, drop us an email. Uh, also, all the details are there. Or give us a phone call. We would love to put you onto the mailing list and to keep you up to date with what's happening here at Bundaberg Uniting Church. Thank you for joining with us this morning and may God bless you. And I say the benediction, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and with those whom we love this day and forevermore. Amen. God bless you.